James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In this episode, Bart Crosman, youth minister and former collegiate baseball player, comes on our show to talk about looking at and facing trials with joy. Bart has faced significant trials and hardships in his life, as you'll soon find out, and it was apparent to me how faithful he remains through everything that he's gone through. During our time together, we get to talk about his time as a collegiate baseball player and some of the things that he faced with that. We get to discuss how athletes can look at hard things in sports as opportunities And we get to talk about what Bart would advise all athletes to do when they face trials. So stick around because not only does this episode get emotional at times, the whole thing reminds me of Christ's faithfulness through anything we may encounter, even in athletics. Thank you for tuning in to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we have on Bart Crosman. Bart, thank you so much for coming on today, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and well done on enunciating my last name. <laughs> you know, I had to, you know, I had to get it, try to get it right. Uh, you said that, you know, so many people get it wrong, but glad to know that I got it right. <laughs> but Bart, I, I am so excited to have you on today. I think our topic at hand is something that is not talked about nearly enough in sport, um, but, you know, just having a conversation on that will be very beneficial for a lot of people. But first, please just give us some background on your experience as a Christian and in athletics. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I'm from a small, tiny town in West Virginia called Payton City. Um, I was a multi-sport athlete there. Um, I went on to play uh, college baseball at Marshall University um, is where I started. Um, I did not end there, uh, not because Marshall didn't want me to stay there. It was I didn't do the parts that require you to stay in college to stay at one school. So I had to take some time off and I got picked back up at a D2 school at Ohio Valley College, which no longer exists. And so I don't know if that's anything it says about me, but I, uh, uh, but, uh, I, I was grateful to have that opportunity. Um, but that's my background um, in sports. Uh, I, I had a lot of pro potential. Uh, never got to actually uh, live that out, um, and so that was a hard path to walk through my 20s, But which I thought was going to be the hardest path that I walked through in my 20s, but ended up being far from it. Um, so, But um, I grew up in the church. Um, I think I told you in the conversation we had prior to recording this that my mom always bragged that she had me in church at six days old, and I stayed there ever since. Obviously, you had a very unique college experience. Uh, you, just, you just touched on that a little bit. What lessons did you learn throughout your college experience? Some of the lessons I learned, so coming from a small town, um, so I came not only from a small town, but the smallest division in West Virginia in a small state. And so there was just a lot about my background in sports where nobody trusted any numbers that they would see from me. Um, even if they saw me, they'd have to come out and actually see me physically and, and, and kind of verify for themselves. So there was just always doubt surrounding your game um, coming from um, 
my background and I was okay with that. Um, it, it always gave me an opportunity just to kind of prove who I was. And so that served me well when I got to Marshall. Um, I, I remember I was recruited as a corner infielder. Um, I was a kind of an invited walk-on to start off. There's not a lot of ton of college uh, scholarship money out there for, for baseball players. Um, but I had lots of offers in Division Two and that type of a thing, but I really wanted to play at that top level. And I was able to make an impression with them at the, the state high school um, all-star game. And I was able to play in the North-South All-Star Game. And so they invited me to come on to be a corner infielder. Um, while we were there during the first week, um, I had to go through the process that a walk-on goes through. Um, but I was, you know, as long as I didn't mess that up, I had a spot on the team. So I did minimal drills. I did some corner infield drills whenever anybody else that wanted to maybe potentially play for them. Um, so I did those. I didn't have to do very many of them. But then they called for pitchers to go to the mound. And I always loved pitching in high school. I always threw the ball really hard. Um, Legion ball, same thing. And so I got up there on the mound and just uh, started throwing really hard stuff. And the pitching coach noticed. And uh, turned out they were two guys didn't come back over the summer. One of the guys they were really expecting to, to have back broke his ankle over the summer playing ball. And so he was kind of desperate for pitchers. And so uh, he asked the uh, position or the head coach, which was Howard McCann, uh, which would later be, he's the dad of Brian McCann. He played for the Braves and the Yankees. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he agreed to let me go to the, to the pitching group. And so then I, uh, um, I joined that group of guys and uh, it was intimidating. It really was. Uh, as I think back about that, um, I think I told you in the pre stuff that we talked about of when I showed up, um, it was intimidating because, like, when you look around at that, when you get to that level of play, everybody looks like they belong here. You know what I mean? Nobody mm -hmm. looks like they're out of place. In fact, uh, everybody's probably the best. You know, they, they're the best player on their high school team, if not in their high school's history, to some degree. Um, and so you got all of these top-notch guys, and it's really hard to stand out. Uh, but at the same time, these are your teammates, and so you want to be a good teammate. But at the same time, you know, there's only so many innings to be pitched, and you want to try and grab as many of those as you can. Every athlete that I have talked to, present and former athlete, they struggle with identity issues. How was that for you? You said that you, you know, you got kicked out of Marshall for for bad grades, flunking out. How was that identity? Was that an identity crisis? Whenever you were like, "Oh crap!" Like that's I'm not a baseball player at Marshall anymore. How was that? Um, that was humbling. I, 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 yeah. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that you take for granted. Like when you get, um, scouts talking to you and you get all of these people telling you how good you are, are doing. And, um, we, we had a, a GA a graduate assistant. He went on to be the head coach at Georgia, uh, with the Bulldogs. He played for them. He was on their national championship team. I don't know if I'm allowed to throw out names or anything, if that matters to anybody, but, um, I just remember him like telling me how much potential I had and how far I could go. And I thought I, I took his word for it. You know, he's from Georgia, you know, he saw some of the best guys he played with a, with a national championship team. And, and so I started listening to those things. Um, and then I stopped paying attention to, well, I don't need to go to class. I don't need to turn these, these things. I've got a pro. I just got to get through these two years and then all that stuff will 
which is just in hindsight, just some of the most stupidest processing I could have ever thought of. Um, and so when baseball was over for that year, when Marshall basically said, you, you know, you can't come back. Um, it was, it was hard. Um, mm. I had to return to my little hometown and it's funny, you know, Marshall's not like an SEC school or anything like that, but to my little neck of the woods, it was a big deal for me to be able to go and, and play on a division one level. Um, um, that hadn't been done in a, in a long time for my, for my little town. And so I felt like whether it was implied or, or not, like I carried some hopes, if not just from my core group of buddies, but for our little town of, of somebody who's going to be able to make it and put our, our little town on the map. And, and I failed that. And, and so I carried that for a lot of, of years when I moved back there, that was the only place I had to go. Um, and so I went back there and it, it was, it was humbling, um, to, to be there. Um, so thankfully I have a wonderful family and they, they were glad to have me back. And I plugged in, um, about a year later, a guy that I had played with um, in high school, he was playing at a Hilo Valley. Um, he told the coach there that I was sitting home on my couch working at Domino's <laughs> and uh, said, you should probably give him a shot. And they did. And uh, I was grateful to get back in the game. But it, it was really, really hard to lose that identity because, you know, as you're playing and you know, look around and you could see everybody else cannot do this as well as I do. Um, you have that real, you, you teeter on that line of, of, of arrogance and you also, and, and, um, I guess humility of, of what I've been gifted to be able to do. And if you don't manage that tension, it can overwhelm you and then you can lose perspective. And I was, unfortunately, I, I, I fell that, that direction. Yeah. Th there's definitely a fine balance of being you know, confident, but at the same time, you don't want to be cocky. And there's very, very fine line um, that so many athletes and myself, myself included definitely struggled with. Bart, today, I really wanted to focus on facing trials with joy because there are so many trials that athletes face, injuries, not playing, losing, like that's such a big trial uh, for so many athletes. And you've mentioned some of the trials already, but how can athletes find joy in the midst of adversity and trials? I, I think first thing that you've got to be able to do is have the mental capacity to see your trials as opportunity. Mm. I think so often, you know, we know what we want to do. We know we want to compete. We want to play. Um, but we also, you know, should be grateful that we have a uniform. Um, there's a lot of people that don't ever get to uh, the levels that some get. Um, especially when I think about like the college experience, like I didn't appreciate, of course, I, I could still remember when I got my jacket and from my Marshall jacket and I walked, it was the end of my, my freshman first semester, my freshman year, going back home for winter break and being able to walk around with that Marshall jacket on the pride that, that kind of, that, that, you know, that kind of gave me, but I still had to work. And, and, and that's, that, that's the part of it where, um, you just can't take those things off. And so when you get yourself in those midst of trials, it's what, what are you going to do in that moment? And, and for a lot of times when you, when you overlay that with faith, um, you either think God is for you or God is against you. At least from my experiences of if this is going well, then I've got God's blessing. And if it's not, why is God cursing me? And, and I, and, and there's a tendency to remove yourself from that, um, 
from that equation and, and just let it all be God guiding it and not really you guiding it and, and you just kind of being uh, aware of what God is up to as an athlete. Um, but, but there's so much to that. And, and then there's also the injury setbacks. Um, I never really, I was fortunate. Um, uh, I was a big guy, but I was pretty flexible. I don't know whether that really meant that much to my staying healthy, but I never had some of the injuries that you see guys have with elbows and knees and shoulders and things of like that. So I never really had a major injury setback. I rolled ankles, but everybody rolls ankles. Um, and so, but, but there's a lot of that that just gets, um, kind of, um, caught up into this whole, what do I do whenever things aren't going my way? Um, and I, and I, and I think that, uh, it's it's just easy to to lose perspective when we get in the midst of trials to want to just um, blame others, blame the system, find some other thing other than ourselves for how do we navigate the, this this tough spot that we're in. Yeah, and I think one thing one passage of scripture that really stuck out to me was James one, especially verses two through four, and it talks a lot about. Trials produce perseverance. Even though it might test your faith, they do eventually produce perseverance. What suggestions do you have for people that, you know, might be questioning God's plan for their lives, maybe in athletics or maybe not? You know, I, I've reached a point in my life when, when, it, when it comes to what is God's purpose in my life, uh, whether it's athletics or not, um, it, it's asking the bigger question of what am I doing for God's purposes for his kingdom work, not just what is God doing for me? Um, I'm, I've been trying to make it more of an outward focus. Um, mm. I've been able to do a lot of uh, reading and, and people smarter than me conversations with them. And, and that's to me has been the one change that's uh, I, I pray all followers of Christ will um, kind of um, take and embody of how, how do we take these things that we're trying to do and use our platforms or whatever it is we're gifted to do and, and not make that about what am I getting out of it, but what am I giving to it? Um, and, and, and so that, that's, that's the crux of what I do now, um, in, in youth ministry It's trying to just plant these seeds in these young minds of what are you doing for the kingdom of God as you're trying to persevere, um, you know, I, I could think of kids in my youth group who have, for w without going into detail, they may want to listen to this. I don't want to make some of them uh, feel awkward, but there's a lot of them. If we measure life by what's fair and unfair, um, as teenagers, some of the stuff that they have had to walk through, it's just not fair. I mean, it's really unfair the the the, the things that they have been able or been forced to live through as young people. Um, so. The, the, what I've tried to help them do through my own experiences, how do we reshape these things that feel unfair for kingdom purposes based out of what you're talking about in James 1 of these trials, these things that are difficult? How do we take these things and use them for kingdom purposes? Otherwise, it's real simple and nobody would blame us um, for the things that are unfair that happen to us to be bitter and, and, and to hold grudges and to just be a negative Nancy or to be a Karen in today's culture, you know, as we talk about, um, n nobody would blame us for those things. Um, if, if they knew our story, um, but much, how much more powerful is our story if they do know our story and yet they still see us because we've persevered because we've re we've reshaped it and renamed it and created it something new out of something. Otherwise, I, I don't know how, 
folks who go through hard things in life who don't have faith get through them. I really don't. Um, it, it's, it's, it's been the one thing that's, um, um, kept me going, um, is, is, is faith. You know, although my mom bragged about taking me to churches from six days on six days old on, um, those were just small seeds compared to what life was going to throw at me in my twenties. And like I said, when I got, when I got kicked out of Marshall, uh, for lack of grades, I really thought, well, life's not going to get any worse than this. And I was way off. <laughs> uh, my twenties were, were way, way more difficult after that. I'm so happy to announce that this podcast is brought to you by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and without him, nothing is possible. He continues to help this podcast, and it would not be where it is today without his grace, his mercy, and his love. You can find him at com, especially in verses like John 3.16, Romans 5.8, 1 John 4.19, and really the entire thing. But make sure to go find him because he is the only thing in this world that will satisfy you. I, I don't know how much detail you want to go into, but I, I would love just if you explain some of the trials you did go through and how, how you think God um, helped you persevere through that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I've got no problem talking about it. Um, I've, I've actually had multiple times where I've got to speak to large groups um, about my story. Um, like I said, uh, I thought my low point in my life was going to be being told, uh, you know, your, your baseball career at Marshall is done. Um, I do remember, um, this little sidebar and I'll get to that. Um, I do remember when I got to Ohio Valley, one of the same guys that was a, a scout for the pirates, which was my team, um, who, who he traveled with us all the time. He came to watch me pitch, um, at Ohio Valley and, uh, I saw him talking to my head coach, uh, Bob Crawford, after that game. And on the bus ride home after that game, um, he didn't come talk to me. And I was like, what? That's, uh, there's got to be a reason. That's, it can't be good news. And so I finally asked him when we got back, I was like, what did he have to say? And he said, he said, you pitch pretty good for an old man. Uh, so basically, <laughs> uh, my window had closed. It, that's, that's a scout's yeah. way of saying your window has closed and uh, – I'm moving on. And so that's where I felt like life was going to be the, its lowest. Um, and so when when I was done with Mar at, at Ohio Valley, I was grateful for the guys that I got to play with. They're still lifelong friends. Um, but it was December 14th, 2003. My nine-year-old daughter uh, was uh, killed in a car accident. Hmm. And um, my seven-year-old son broke his leg in that same accident and ended up with a scar on, uh, on his face. He was kind of thrown from the car. Um, and, um, that was the low point. That was the hardest thing that I had to try to live out. And it's been, um, a, a journey since then. Um, there were several years after that, when that happened, that it was very difficult, um, to put my life together. Um, I'm grateful for those who helped me um, along those ways. But the, the more that I've leaned into faith of, um, I still remember, so Hannah was my daughter's name. Um, she spent nine days over in Ruby Memorial a Children's Hospital at University of West, West Virginia Universities at their Children's Hospital. And I can remember my dad telling me, me and him are sitting in the waiting room. There, you know, we'd had family and people, friends all coming and going. But for whatever reason, it was just me and him in the room at that point. And I remember him just saying, it's going to be okay. Um, that was all he said. 
and we both knew what, what he was talking about and um, but we knew that it was coming a time so nine days later after she'd been in the hospital I had to make the decision to take her off a of life support and and so um, ever since then it has been a journey of grief of, of how to walk through grief how to walk through a trial um, how to keep perspective um, how to not be upset at other parents who had children that her age as their mm. kids continue to grow and to mature and think about what is my, you know, I'm not getting to have a sweet 16 with her. I'm not getting to watch her go off to college. I'm not getting her fill in the blank. Um, but it was understanding that the trial of losing a child was bigger than just um, poor us for having to, re you know, to go through something like that. It was one of those things of, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you. And I need you to help this make sense. And as I've done that, that's how I've gotten into ministry, <laughs> honestly. Um, and, it, and it's been a platform. And, and I'm being grateful that the platform that I missed out on through playing sports, um, it's, been the, it's been the one thing that's allowed me to get my foot in the door to talk to athletes or to um, talk to different groups, um, FCA or what whatnot. Um, and, and to be able to not just, you know, don't look at me and think poor Bart or look what Bart's um, done, but look what God has done um, in this. And my wife and I, uh, we were dating when all of this happened. And so uh, we got married out of that. So Carrie and I uh, um, have been married almost 19 years now. Um, and so uh, it, it's been a real blessing to be able to uh see where God has, has moved our lives because we trusted him in that trial. Um, and, and that's the hardest part. I think with, like you said, with athletics, it's so hard when things don't go against us because we want to compete. We know we have confidence. Um, but that trial, that, that thing that just stands in the way, um, how do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, it, it that's, that's going to make or break the person, um, in, in that moment. And, um, not to name drop Michael McHenry, but that was, I think that's been the connecting point for me and him is he's been a dude that I've gotten to know that's, um, who, whose mental strength has been something that I've been drawn to. Um, and I've been grateful for him that he's a faith person, um, regardless of, of, you know, how hard it has been. And, and I've been gleaning from, from, from just conversations, um, around, people better than me. And I could pull that all the way back to my Marshall days. Um, whenever I would look around and see these guys are better than me, what are they doing that I can learn to do? Um, so there was that humble piece of it. I, I, I don't have to be cocky. I don't have to be presume I'm the best person here. What's wrong with thinking I'm the worst person on this staff and trying to build myself up. And the only way I do that is looking at what these other guys do well. Um, and I've done the same thing in, in faith and dealing with the loss of a child. I've gotten to know other people that have lost children and, um, they've become my pillars of faith, people that I, um, I'm grateful for in my life. And they've given me the courage to continue to tell my story. And, and so, um, I'm grateful that you're giving me the opportunity to, to talk about Hannah now. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that, um, most people, uh, another thing that I often get is like, man, I, I don't think I could do it if that happened to me. And my question or my response, I don't know. I don't typically say it out loud, but this is what comes to my mind is 
don't think there's anything that you're looking at that said this guy could do it either. You know, there wasn't anything about me that said, hey, Bart can handle this. Um, you just have to. I mean, you know, nobody, there, there's no college course, there's no life experience that just says, hey, I bet you if you've experienced this, then you're ready to deal with the loss of a child. Um, you just have to. I mean, and, and, and God, is a, you, you have to be willing to, to go where God is kind of shaping and, and molding as you go, so. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Bart, thank you for sharing all of that. That is a remarkable story. And I am, I am so sorry for your loss, but I, I think you, your, your faith is just on full display throughout this entire journey. How, how can you, how can athletes, how can really anyone rely on Jesus and especially the people around them, their family, their friends to help them get through trials and adversities that they face? Yeah. Um, so when I look at the Gospels, I see a guy who, when we talk about Jesus, I see a guy who um, was rarely moving in places where he was beloved. Um, he was constantly putting himself um, in situations, not just because so he can have a hard time or just because he wanted to find um an opportunity, you know, to, to show that he's going against the grain. But Jesus was very countercultural in, in that sense. Um, he, he, he noticed the people that the rest of the culture did not notice. And he felt things for the people that the rest of the culture just tended to ignore and wanted to distance themselves from. And, and so as I've done that, or, or as I've kind of, um, dwelled on that, on that notion of what does it look like to be an athlete um, or, or just a person in life who is a Jesus follower, um, I, I, my eyes tend to see those folks a lot easier than I used to, um, and I want to be welcoming them. Um, I'm real big on Christian hospitality as a notion that we've kind of lost um, in our culture. Um, we we uh, there's, there's a guy that I like to read and listen to. Um, he talks a lot about, um, we have in our culture now a crystallizing, uh, um, I'm going to mess it up. I'm not going to think of the right words here. Um, but he, he calls it, um, uh, oh, here we go. Crystallized dissension. Um, meaning like we, we, we get across the table from people and we, and we stay there. We don't find that common ground to move into those spaces. Um, and so when we get to those places, when we talk about faith, um, we can't be that way um, if we're going to be Christ followers. I think that's what sets us apart. Um, and so as athletes, as you're, you know, given this gift from God to do your sport, whatever it may be, at the level that you're capable of doing it, when you notice that you do it better than other people, it's do you stay humble? Do you still try to raise up your teammates? Do you still try to... Um, see that there's something bigger than your skills that's happening here. Um, that's that's where, you know, it's real. I think it's easy for, and that's what keeps them, so many people from getting to that next level, um, whether that's middle school to high school, high school to college, college to, the, to some form of a pro um, experience is, um, do, I, do I lose perspective and start listening about how good I am? You know, um, or am, am I able to stay focused at the task before me? What got me to where I where I'm at? Um, and as I experience more success, do I also equal the amount of humbleness that I bring to that? Because if I can't do that, 
um, I think it's real easy to lose perspective. And uh, once you do that, um, like I found out in, in baseball, like your window is so small to get noticed, to get drafted. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of 6'1", 220-pound right-handed pitchers out there. And so just because Bart doesn't take advantage of his opportunity, they don't care. You know, I'm just gone, and the next one is is, is now on the radar. Um, and, and so that was that was that was a hard reality for me. And I think life could be that way, too. Um, I think we can try so hard to move ourselves into places for, for things. And the the second we kind of lose our perspective on what's what have we done to get ourselves here? Um, and we we start to listen to or search for the attaboys too much um, as, as the thing that we're after. It, it, it can go away. It can go yeah. away quick. Yeah, and then 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 once it goes away, we're we're sitting in this space of gray and unknown, and and so when when you get there, that's where you know a lot of bad decisions get made, <laughs> and we we don't necessarily mean to double down on bad decisions, but we do, and um, we can get ourselves more distance. I, I'm grateful for Carrie, my wife, because um, had she not been in my life when I lost my daughter. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to put it all on, on her, but it was nice to have that person alongside me, um, for some form of stability. Um, otherwise who, who knows where, uh, where I go from that. Um, she was a, she was a stable faith person and I was too, but, um, I was willing to trade out a lot of things, um, in the name of faith where she wasn't. And so it, it's, it's been uh, life giving to have her on my life journey too. Bart, I, I can see why you are such a good youth minister, because you are so relatable, both to athletes and to people, because you've faced trials in both situations. So it's it's just amazing to see how your faith and how your just reliance on God is so, is, is so apparent. How do you encourage the next generation of people, of athletes, to be different and, you know, go against the grain and face trials with comfort. My, my advice to them would just be go back to James one, you know, and it's so hard. It's so hard to see trials as potential places of perseverance. Um, you've got to be all in with that. You can't just um, put part of your uh, life effort into that. Um, I often talk about faith is like yeast. You know, um, that's often that's mentioned in scripture. Um, it's not the thing that you taste, right? But it's the thing that raises up the bread. And it's the thing that raises you up as you're trying to deal with those trials. I, I see kids all the time. I, I do some pitching lessons with some, some younger kids and stuff still. And um, um I guess because where I've been in life, like I don't get frustrated with them when I, you know, I'm telling them something and it's clear like what they need to do and we practice it in, in the pitch and drill. And then I hear back from them how they did on the mound over the weekend. It's like, oh, they were terrible. Uh, they didn't, they didn't, any, all that stuff that you did, none of it clicked. And so it's just like, well, I guess we just got to keep working at it. Um, and let's not lose perspective. Let's not, uh, let's um, not ignore what went wrong, but let's, let's ask better questions. Why did it go wrong? What were you doing? Was it the situation that, you know, was there runners on base that were kind of messing in your mind and now your fundamentals broke down um, those types of things. Um, and, and so when, when I give encouragement to, to kids, I just try to get them to embrace their reality 
um, the, the, the kids that are coming from hard home lives or life situations, it's not fair, losing a parent, um, some sort of disease, parents losing a job, um, divorce, all of those things that can just rear its head. The kids have no, it's not their fault. It was n nothing that they have done. Um, how, how do you still do things in life um, and move forwards? Um, it's not just about you advancing. It's how does your faith advance with you? Um, if your faith doesn't lead the way, um, it's going to be something that you that when you go off to college, you, you set down. Um, that, that's something I know that's not your podcast, but that's something I love to talk about is how often when kids get to that college, whether that especially if they're an athlete, that they put their faith down and some of them will never find it again. Um, and, and we're in this crystallizing dissension that I talked about, um, right now of, um, a lot of kids are just walking away from church altogether, um, or church life or faith, um, and then making it a very individual thing. Um, and I don't think God built us for that. God built us for community. And so, um, when we tend to put those things down and walk away from them, we shouldn't be surprised when we can't find them. Um, and so that's the one thing that I tell kids is don't put your faith down, um, you may struggle with it, um, and whether that's an athlete, don't give up on yourself um, just because you have a bad day or a bad moment. Um, my daughter last night, so I'm coaching, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, um, and I'm coaching 8U softball. Talk about a place for learning patience. Um, <laughs> my, my daughter has struggled to hit the ball um, at the start of our season. And last night, she hits her best hit of the night of the season. She hits a line drive right back up the middle, and the pitcher falling backwards sticks her glove up in the air and catches it. And um, you just talk about, like, you know, okay. Um, and then I'm going to borrow Deion Sanders here. He talks about there's bad moments, but we have to decide whether it's going to be a bad day or a bad moment. And I tried to tell her, I was like, hey, you had a great hit, but she had a greater play. I said, she won that one this at this at this time. I said, you still now you've got to go back out there and you've got to play and you're gonna get another chance to hit. Can you get that out of your mind? Can you clean your you know, clean your mind and, and, and get going again? And and so I'm grateful at eight that I can have those types of conversations with her because she's an athlete. She her mom and I both are athletes, and so she's gonna be one. Uh, my son that survived uh, the accident, he he went on to play college football. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're a family of athletes, so athletic, you know, and, and so part of that mentality is just understanding, um, and she doesn't do well with it. I never did well with it. I couldn't, nothing used to make me more upset than I make a good play and somebody else makes a better play. Um, th those types of things. And, and that's just, um, that, that's, that's the way sports goes and that's the way life goes, I think too. Um, and, and just enjoying and being grateful for every day that you get to be involved in sports or get to be involved in life. Um, uh, I, I think that we have to wake up knowing those things uh, because when I lose perspective on those things, um, that's when I feel anxiety. That's when I feel pressure. That's when all of these things start to build um, when I start paying attention to the appreciation that I have for everyday life. Um, that God has a purpose for me today and he's putting people in my path to love the way that he loves me. Um, and if I can't, if I miss that because I'm so worried about yesterday or I'm so worried about the things where I don't measure up, 
um, I'm going to miss those opportunities and I'm going to miss those, those chances to, um, live out a life of faith. Um, so, so much of what I try to get kids to understand, whether it's the athletes that I work with or the kids in our youth group. And when they lay, overlay it, it's, um, how do you treat others? How are you treating your teammates? How do you treat those who are the opposite of teammates? You know, whoever those kids may be that aren't athletes, um, our culture, you know, we, we, we make athletes, um, demigods, I guess at sometimes. And, and so w when we get that status as a demigod in our culture, um, it's real easy to, to, to think of yourself as more than the person next to you. And in God's eyes, we're all image bearers. We're all the same. None of us holds more than, than any other. And, and so we, we have to keep that perspective of your, your platform is your opportunity not to, you know, as you share the gospel, it's more about how do you live out your, the gospel. And then that, I think, is what attracts people to want to have conversations about it. Wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And Bart, as we do start to wrap up today, I just thank you so much for coming on. This was so encouraging and just inspirational for me, and I, I know it will be for so many people. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for doing this. If I was long-winded, I apologize. Wow, what an unbelievable conversation. Uh, for all the listeners out there, please make sure to share this episode and subscribe to the show. It means more to us and more to me than you know. If you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you all next time.